Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Thank you. Wow, it's good to see all of you this morning. Those online, welcome today. Pray that at home you will feel and experience what we are. And uh, thank you, Jamie, worship team. That was awesome. It's good to uh, be back two weeks in a row. Wow, that's uh, it's a miracle in and of itself. I want to thank you all for your prayers this week. It's, uh, it's actually been my best week in seven months. Um, I actually went fishing again. I didn't say I went catching, I went fishing. I got some good exercise, but uh, it's... It's good to be back. I want to finish this word I began last week and deal with something very serious uh, that's going on in our nation today in this word. So I pray that Holy Spirit will uh, help all of us to not think this is for someone else, uh, but to really be willing to say, Lord, if there's anything in me that's not pleasing to you, reveal it. Amen. Before I get into the word, though, last week I finished preaching. I Walked off the back of the stage and uh, headed to my office and my phone in my back pocket just started just pinging away, man. Text glory. You are so amazing. And so I'm thinking as I'm walking to my office, wow, feeling pretty good about myself. Feel like, well, delivered my soul, got the word out and, and uh, just getting all these texts, people thanking me for faith building message. But uh, as I got to my office, opened my phone, it was just text after text. Pastor, you left us hanging. Did you catch the fish or not? And what kind of fish was it? I was like, oh my goodness. So let me just show you a quick little video. Just answer your questions here. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) That's my fish. What you got? Get him in the boat. Get him in the boat. All right, that's the voice of my man Gabe Hewish, and uh, I did get it in the boat, and it was a redfish. So, uh, actually, it was a fun day, and a couple of redfish and a couple of trout, and uh, this week it was just a whole lot of rowing. So, <laughs> all right, I want to continue on. Last week we talked about the cost of love, and. Um, Talked about Peter's life. And if you will, go ahead and turn to John chapter 21. I'm going to pick up real quick where I left off last week, verse 15. And uh, I know I read this, but uh, just kind of want to summarize this real quick and then get into what I believe Holy Spirit wants uh, me to say. And I believe pastors all over our country, um, I trust, are speaking um, to these situations that are going on uh, today in our world. Obviously, I'm staying away from all the political stuff. I preach Jesus and him crucified, amen, and uh, leave all the other stuff to everyone else. But um, there are things that Jesus spoke to us. Uh, He first spoke them to the disciples, and he declared them. Um, as life. And they weren't suggestions. They were actually commandments. Say commandment. They were actually commands from the Lord. And, uh, and with them brought life and peace and joy and uh, hope and a, a sense of uh, um, knowing who they were in the Father uh, through the Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And uh, so last week we were looking at Peter's life and uh, we talked about the whole fishing thing. Jesus first came upon Peter, revealed himself to Peter uh, while after Peter had fished all night. You know the story, caught nothing. Peter, Jesus said, we'll cast on the other side. So he did. He brings in a, a, a big stack of fish and then uh, three plus years later, uh, now get this, three years later, Peter has walked with Jesus and he's seen every miracle you and I read about and just go, I want to see that. Peter saw them. He saw all of them. He experienced all of them. Faith building, man. He, he saw blind eyes open. He saw lame people walk. He was a part of the, you know, couple of pieces of bread and a couple of fish. And Jesus prayed over and said, go, go feed the 5,000 men that are seated and the women and children. And and then when they were completely finished, I mean, he just kept breaking bread, breaking bread, breaking bread, and uh, the bread just continued. And Peter's standing there. I don't, I don't know about you, but my eyes would have been just bugged out. I would have been just looking like, wow, how is that happening? Every time he breaks it, it's there's still more there. And he just kept breaking bread and, and, and breaking the fish. And, and uh, they fed everybody, and everybody's full. And if y'all haven't noticed, I am very full these days. <laughs> I'm just going ahead and confess it, man. There's no color that covers this. It's, uh, I, I am on steroids and have gained 22 pounds since I was diagnosed. And, and uh, I just walk by the refrigerator, and, and something jumps in my mouth. <laughs> and I don't know how that happens, but uh, I, I'm resisting it, and it's still. It's just, I just look at it and gain a pound. But... Uh, Anyhow, uh, so where was I in that story? But uh, uh, so, so Jesus is doing these amazing miracles. Peter's seeing all of them. He's experiencing them. He's there when Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Could you, could you imagine, man? Oh, Lazarus comes <laughs> bobbing out of, the, out of the cave. Nobody's helping him, man. The stones rolled away. He's got to come up that bank, and he just comes hopping out. And you can see Jesus and Peter unwrap the man. I mean, Peter got to see it all. And then they get near that time when Jesus is going to fulfill his purpose and plan. And, and, and Peter says, Lord, I'm with you, man. These other guys, they might run, but I am with you. And then you know the story. Jesus said, Peter, I'm sorry, man. You're going you're gonna to deny me three times. Never. I mean, this same guy that just took out his sword and whacked off the ear of the, of the high priest's um, servant. And Jesus said, man, put that thing away. That's not how we're doing. See, the kingdom doesn't do business the way the world does business. Somebody say amen to that. That's why in this whatever season of life we're in, you need to remain a kingdom person. You need to stay in the kingdom. You need to be full of the word of God. You need to not be moved by fear, not be moved by doubt, not be moved by anxiety, not be moved by every word that's coming out of the media. Don't go to them for your word. Go to God for the word. And it'll build you up. It'll encourage you. You'll stay a kingdom person. Doesn't matter what they say about your finances. You're in a different kingdom. When you're a tither and a giver, you're in a different kingdom. You're over here in a, in a kingdom that God has control over. So no matter what famine is in the land, God always takes care of kingdom people. He's always doing what his word declares. Amen? So we stay in it. So Peter experiences all of this. He rejects Christ three times, even curses. I don't know him. Could you imagine the fear and then the instant condemnation? 
Anybody besides myself ever experienced condemnation? Let me see your hand. You messed up and you knew it and you just, you didn't need Holy Spirit to beat you up. You beat yourself up. So Peter denies Christ three times, instant condemnation, guilt, shame, and he runs off. And he's always looking from afar. Jesus dies on the cross, is buried, resurrected, reveals himself to the ladies. Come on, ladies, that's a good place to say amen. You missed your point right there. He revealed himself and he said, go tell my disciples and Peter. Make sure you find Peter and tell him to show up. Peter shows up. Could you imagine? They see Jesus. They experience Jesus. Two different occasions. Jesus reveals himself. Just walks through the door. Come on. Can't you wait till heaven? I, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm going to walk through some doors. Can I tell you all a quick story? This week, I, uh, I, I, I drove Jim and Pastor Tad crazy because my pastor friends kept uh, wanting to go up and see our new building. So I toured four different pastors this week through our building. Bob Weiner's one of them over here on the front row. And, and it's good to have Bob with us this morning. Bob, Bob gave me a brand new Bible, and I got it up here this morning, man. Passion Bible. But... Uh, uh, Friday, I went up with Pastor Steve Parker, who had driven up Friday morning to have breakfast with Suzanne and I, and then we went over the building, we walked in, and this man was standing in the building with one of our, um, with Dave, I think, our superintendent that works for Juan, and um, I walked in with Pastor Steve, and this man, I'd never seen him before in my life, at least I'd hoped I hadn't because I didn't recognize him, uh, but as soon as Pastor Steve and I walked in, this man goes, hey, I, I need to speak to you, I have something to say to you. Well, yeah. and uh, so, you know, I'm about to turn around and head back to my car, but, but something, something drew me to this man. And, and so we walked up and Steve started walking around and uh, this man says, I need to tell you a story that's going to help you. Well, 10 minutes later, after the story's over, I said, I am so sorry. Do I know you? Have we ever met? He said, no, sir. I said, do you know who I am? He said, no, sir. He didn't know I was the pastor. He just said that when I walked through the door, Holy Spirit told him he needed to tell me his story. So he immediately launches into a story of having a tumor the size of a large orange in his colon and rectum and was given less than a year to live. And he went into Shan's hospital and he, uh, they did some work on him, and he got septic, and he just started blowing up. And he was in ICU, unconscious, in a coma for six days. While he's in the coma, he said all he can remember is that right after this thing that I'm going to share with you happened, he woke up, and his wife was sitting there. He later told me, I don't go around telling this story. I'm not out there on the circuit. He said, I very seldom ever tell this story. And when I got through, when he got through telling me the story, I found out that he worked for Osteen, the company that's doing all of our site work. And he walked out the door and got on the tractor and started doing the ground. He, they're preparing the ground for our sod that's coming in this week. And, and, uh, and so he says, uh, while I was in the coma, he said, the Lord came to me and 
told me it was time to get out of bed. So he said, I, the Lord lifted my hands and took me out of the bed and we walked down the hall and we're going out the door and he said, Jesus turned and looked and said, do you want to come with me or you want to stay a while? And he said, I want to stay a while. And he said, then let me take you back to your room. And the Lord walked him back to his room. And as he was putting him in the bed, the man said, Jesus tucked him in. And he said, no more cancer. He woke up. And three days later, got out of the hospital, went home and, and rested for two weeks. And then they took him to MD Anderson in Jacksonville for him to have the surgery to remove the tumor out of his colon. So they got over there and they went in and they prepped him. They had the MR, they had all the scans from Shans and they took him in to do the surgery. And he woke up and when he woke up, the doctor was standing there and he said, we removed 22 lymph nodes and they're all negative. And he said, as I'm looking at the doctor, I, he said, what about the big tumor? How big was it? He said, there was no tumor there when we got in there. That was a year and a half ago, and he's out on our church property driving a tractor, getting our land ready to put sod down. Come on, somebody. God is a God that heals. See, Peter had seen all of these miracles, and yet, when Jesus disappears for a little while, Peter goes, I don't know what to do. I'm going fishing again. And you know, I read it last week. The other disciples said, well, if you're going fishing, we're going with you. And they went, they fished all night, kind of like I did Wednesday, and caught nothing. I kept, I was, my ears were open. I was like, Lord, anytime you want to tell me which side to cast. He said, how about just rowing back to shore and head home? But they fished all night, caught nothing. Jesus shows up and he says, hey, children, y'all have any fish? They said, no. He said, cast on the other side. What was it? 153? What was it? 153 of the biggest fish Peter had ever caught. They have breakfast. When they're through, Jesus says, Peter, let's take a walk. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Are you, let, let me read this out of this new Bible that Bob gave me, man. I love this translation. Listen to this. After they had breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, it's called the Passion Translation. I think that's right. My, my wife's been reading out of it online. Anyhow, he says, after they had breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you burn with love? Come on, somebody. How many of y'all burn with love for Jesus? I hope I do. I want to. I want to be more desperate for him than anything else in the world. I want to be more desperate for him than I am desperate to be healed. I want to just be desperate for Jesus. I want to be so in love with you. Jesus says to Peter, do you burn with love for me? And, Jesus, and Peter answers, you know I have great affection for you. Wow. Jesus says, do you burn with with love for me, and Peter says, I have great affection for you. And so a second time, Jesus repeats his question, Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, yes, my Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. And the second time, Jesus gives directive to Peter, take care of my sheep. 
Then a third time, Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? Peter was saddened by being asked the third time, and he said, my Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. I think Jesus was trying to get what was really in Peter's heart. And then he goes on to tell Peter, by the way, just so you'll know, this is how the end of your life's going to be. And it's not, whoo, sign me up. He says, when you were young, you went and did as you pleased. But when you're older, they're going to take you by the hand and they're going to stretch you out. And then you know what Jesus says to Peter without any hesitation or apology. He says, Peter, follow me. And I believe that's what the Lord is saying to you and I today. From the oldest in this place, those who are watching online at home, our children, I believe Jesus is today in 2020, in the month of June, calling us as his children to come follow him and be an example on the world that is different than religious or different than the political arena. God is looking for a people that will love him desperately, have affection for him, have passion for him, burn for him. Man, I love the fact that so many of y'all just could not wait to get back to church. You know, during worship, I want to be out here, but I'm back there because doctors are are still chewing me out for not having my mask on. Y'all don't breathe this direction, okay? And uh, but but uh, uh, so I'm back there by myself in the back room, big screen in worship. And can I tell you, it's not the same as when I walked in that door over here. When I'm at home in front of my television, it's not the same. As entering in because, and that's why the Lord said, don't forsake. We have to get to a place, and I understand, hear me, everybody has to walk out where they are. That you cannot walk in my faith. But I'm battling cancer, and I'm telling you, I wanted to get to the house of God. I wanted to get to the place where the people and the presence of God is so thick, you can feel his presence. And I'm telling you, I've been home for seven months watching on TV. It ain't the same. I'm home, y'all all up here. I'm by myself in the living room. Woo! Jesus, I want to feel what they feel down there. His presence is real. It's alive for us. But, but there's something about when just two or three get together. Let two or three hundred, let two or three thousand get together that are passionate for the things of God. And it'll change our lives. We're living in troubling times. And so today I want to Talk about these, th- these things that, that I believe Holy Spirit is wanting pastors all over this nation to, to, to hear and to begin to be willing to deal with because our nation is being ripped apart by a spirit of lawlessness and hatred. It's titled Prejudice and Racism. And, and in our world, we're still trying to make it a color thing. And I told his sister two weeks ago, standing out in front of Starbucks, a young lady that had been a part of the uh, protest downtown, and we were talking, and she was asking me some questions. I got out of my car. She was sitting in her car next to me, and it was a little kind of a hot rod car, so I just said, good morning, and how many tickets you got in that car, you know? I, I said, that's why I don't drive that kind of car. She said, well, I've had a few. And then she looks up, and she gets out, and she says, aren't you Pastor Brantley? And I said, yes, ma'am. And, and so she said, I, I, I got to talk to you. And so we started talking, and 
she started telling me, and she's a, a young black lady, and, and she uh, started telling me uh, about some of the things that were happening uh, because of decisions she had made. And, and I said to her, I said, sweetheart, hear me, listen. This spirit is not a color thing. This thing is a sin thing. This thing is a spiritual thing, and it doesn't matter what our skin color is. It is a spirit of the Antichrist that wants to divide and to destroy. And he'll use anything that he can use. Now, I want to tell you, there is still in our nation a spirit of racism and prejudice. And a whole bunch of white people have it. All, and a whole bunch of black people have it. And a whole bunch of brown people have it. And a whole bunch of polka-dotted people have it. Because some people don't like anybody that doesn't look just like them. And it's not me against you. It's us against the enemy of our soul. And until we understand that, we're going to keep burning our cities down. Which is the stupidest thing that anybody could ever imagine. So we're mad at somebody and we don't even know who. And can I tell you, what happened to George Floyd is horrible. I watched it one time and it was sick and wicked. But those police officers are arrested. They're being charged and, and we either believe in the rule of law, but to go around and burn our own cities down, burn our own shops down, burn our own stores down, that is way beyond just being mad. That is a spirit that has been loosed on our nation. And the only thing that's going to stop it is the spirit of love. That we learn how to love God. You see, Jesus gave the disciples the commandment, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. And then he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I mean, that's powerful, it's profound, and it changes lives. But as long as we just allow hatred to boil up. Now, I want to tell you, our church is interracial. It has been since we were a month or two old because I started this church praying because I'm white. So I knew I was, y'all didn't know that. <laughs> well, I did tell y'all a little while ago, right, about my little DNA test. And I, I got 2% Nigerian. So I knew there was some, I knew there was some black in there somewhere. I thought I was Indian, Bob, but I found out I'm Nigerian. <laughs> I don't even know how that happened. But, uh, but when I started this church, I knew that we would attract white people because I is white. Married to a white wife, got three little white boys. So white people are going to come. And I would, I would pray every day, every week, Jesus, I don't want to pastor all white church. It's not God. It's not kingdom. It's not America. It's not heaven. It's not eternal. So I want a church that looks and feels like heaven. So Holy Spirit said, well, what are you asking? I said, I want black people. I want brown people. He said, then ask me for them. And I began to pray and I began to ask. And we were about a month old, maybe six weeks old. I'll never forget it. Worship was over. And for those of y'all that didn't have the joy of being a part of the church 33 years ago, I led worship. 
it was horrible. <laughs> but God did a miracle, and people kept coming. I mean, I think they had some kind of things in their ears. They couldn't hear it. Suzanne was over here on a little keyboard, and she was, her little nails were hitting the key, keyboard, and you could hear her nails click before the sound would come out of the system. The fact our church grew is a miracle of God. She would click and play, and I would stand here right in front of the podium with my eyes closed and try to sing two songs. We practiced like 25 hours a week for two songs. We fought, we argued, we ran to the bathroom. I mean, it was just like, she's like, you're off key. I was like, my keys are in my pocket. I don't know what you're talking about. She said, you're flat. I said, no, I'm not flat. I'm kind of, I'm kind of round. I mean, it was just, it was God. So I'd stand up here and I'd sing. And I'll never forget this Sunday, man. It was all white people in the church, like 45 of us. White. And, 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 and I'm just getting ready to preach. I'm just opening the Bible, man. I got this 400-pound podium that my pastor gave me. It was full of rocks. I couldn't even move it. it just, I was standing behind that thing. And I'm just getting ready to open. And all of a sudden, the door opened. And three couples walk in. The first couple is a is a black guy and a white girl. I thought, Lord Jesus. He said, you ask. I, I, I said, well, did I ask for that? And he said, it's in your heart. And then the next couple was a black couple. Then the next couple was a, a Latin guy with a white girl, taller than he was. And they walked in, and I'm telling you, I had goosebumps. I preached under some serious anointing that day. I don't know what I say, but I'm sure all six of them got saved. I don't know. But, but, but man, I was so excited that there were some people of color in my house. And from that point, and for 33 years, I never stopped praying that God would bring all people into this house. You know, the last count we had a couple years ago, we had 45 different nations of people represented in our church family. Come on, somebody. See... See, there's only one God, one Lord, one Savior, one Christ, and one heaven. We're all going. And God created us different because God likes variety. Aren't you glad everybody doesn't look like you? Everybody else is. I mean, I'm glad all y'all don't look like me. God loves variety. My wife and I, I know y'all are going to say I'm crazy. But two weeks ago today, we added a new family member to our house, and we got a puppy. Well, that puppy in two weeks is no longer a puppy. I mean, that thing is growing like every day. And it's white and fluffy, and his daddy is an 88-pound uh, English cream retriever, and the mom was a 58-pound. And I didn't think about that when I said I'd take that little puppy. Because that little puppy looked like Claire. Y'all remember I used to have a little white Claire? And, 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 uh, and, and, and so all of a sudden, this puppy is in our life, growing fast. <laughs> and everything about this puppy and all of our neighbors, my puppy, she's a smart puppy. I mean, she's my puppy, so she's a smart puppy. So last week, my granddaughters, two of my granddaughters, when she's 10 weeks old, taught her to sit, shake, and lay down. And I took a video of it and sent it to Dr. Terry. He was so impressed, he showed his whole staff and said, Tim, we go puppies don't do that. I said, yeah, but that's my puppy. <laughs> but my puppy comes home now, and Fred and Kelly, who live up the street from us, up on the hill, uh, they have two big dogs. Willie is a, is a uh, collie, 
And uh, I have taken, uh, uh, what's my dog's name, Roxy, out into the field, and her and Willie go at it. And Willie's a full-grown collie, and, and she's still a little thing. And I'm watching them the other day, and I'm thinking, that's why God loves variety. Aren't you glad that every little dog in the world is not a white dog? And I'm glad every dog's not Willie, because that dog never shuts up. <laughs> Anybody ever remember the movie Lassie? That's why they picked that dog. That, that dog does not shut up. I mean, he just talks all the time, and it comes out in a bark. And I'm like, Willie, don't teach Roxy that. She's not going to learn that. She's not going to bark all the time. But there's a variety. And in people, all of us, look up and down the aisle, we're all different. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's, it, it's beautiful. It's God thing. But there, there is this spirit in our country, and I'm going to give you four things, and I'm going to close, um, that we have to deal with as a people. So... Racism and prejudice, first of all, is counter to everything Jesus ever taught. And it's counter to the kingdom of God. Say amen to that. Jesus taught us to love God with all that we are, and he taught us to love our neighbors. So there's four things that, that Scripture teaches us, and I want to give these to you. I want you to write them down or take pictures of, this, of the slides. But the first one is this. Number one, God hates prejudice, and we should hate what God hates. God hates prejudice, and we should hate what God hates. Second Chronicles 19, verse 7, in the Amplified Version of the Bible says this. So now let the fear or reverent awe of the Lord be on you to keep you from making unjust decisions. Be careful in what you do, for there is no injustice with the Lord our God or partiality or acceptance of a bribe. God hates prejudice, because it reveals, hear me, what's really in our heart. Back in the early days of our church, I'm telling you, I had people get up and walk out. I, 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 I had a white family. I'll never forget it. It wasn't in this building. It was over at Oak Hall. And a black family came in and sat on the same row as this white family. And the white family got up and walked out. And I never saw them again. And good riddance. I didn't say, oh, Lord, let me, let me keep them. No, no, Lord, let them go. Let them boast of being a member of church down the street. Because that's not who we are. I had somebody ask me years ago, does it go to our church? But when I started preaching what I did in dealing with this racism, and it, many of y'all remember, some of y'all remember, I went to some black churches in this city where I was invited to preach and dealt with this very thing 20 plus years ago. And I remember a couple called me one time, and they were friends of ours, and they said, what if one of your sons wants to marry a girl of color? Now how are you going to feel about it? And I said, well, I know Luke's going to marry somebody darker than him. <laughs> I just knew it. But it was never about the skin color. It's about who God joins together. Who God joins together. And, and, and I know, you know, boy, there are preachers that are preached. We need to all stay in our same boat. You know, we need to stay in all in our same little area. Well, that's crazy because that's not the world we live in. And, and, and I said to this couple, I said, listen, the only girls I want my sons to marry are girls that love Jesus. First and foremost. And before they even love my son, they got to love Suzanne and I. Come on, somebody. I, I, I'm, I'm just telling the truth now. And then they need to love my son. 
But skin color is not the answer. The answer is, man, I just want to deal with anything that's in me that's ugly that God wants out. Our nation needs the church, listen to me, to stand strong and be a voice of reconciliation. I believe our house is. But I believe, as I was preparing this, I said, Lord, I, I really don't see people in our house dealing with some of this. And he says, uh, Holy Spirit will deal with the ones that need to be dealt with. You see, because all of us might have some little hidden thing. Some of us have something hidden in us because something that happened way back when we were a child. Or way back when we went to elementary school. Or way back, I don't know about y'all, I grew up two years in Gainesville and I went to uh, what's the name of that school way over there in middle school? Howard Bishop Junior High when the, when the year when they brought all the black students in and it was a horrible season. My very best friends immediately were black kids. One guy, black guy, his name was George. George the black guy and George the white guy and we were friends and we played basketball together. But man, the hatred the knives that were coming out in middle school. Where do these kids learn to hate like that? Their mamas and daddies. Man, the police were always there. It was a horrible time. And you know what? It wasn't until later in life when I realized I walked to school and I never feared what some of my black friends felt when they walked to school. Now, Neither do I feel like I have to get down and apologize for all white people. I'm sorry, I don't go there. Just like my roots don't go back to my pappy or my grandpappy or my great-grandpappy or what they did. I don't have anything to do with what they did. And me repenting for them is not going to change anything. Because I got to deal with my heart. If I got something in me, I got to deal with this. If you got something in you, you got to deal with that. But don't just let something linger from your childhood and say, well, you know, it's just, it is what it is because I was scarred by that. Well, then let God heal it. Amen. I got scars, but they don't cause me any pain. I, I, I shared with my grandkids one day, they were talking about some, one of them had a little wart or something. And I said, look, let me show y'all. When I was in fourth grade, Baba had a wart and it grew right into my vein. And my daddy had to take me to the doctor and, and they didn't even put me to sleep or anything. They just put all kinds of shots in there. And then they cut that thing out and they sewed it all up. And I got this big old long scar, but I never, ever think about that scar. It doesn't cause me any pain. I don't feel anything. But some of us are walking around with scars in our emotions because we want to keep talking about something instead of forgiving. And forgiveness is the key. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Listen to this. God loves all his children, and he could have made us all alike, but he didn't. Thank God. Amen? Number two, racial prejudice is sin. Period. You can't justify it as a believer. It's sin. James chapter 2 verse 9 in the Passion Translation says, but when you show prejudice, you commit sin and you violate this royal law of love. Racism is a sin problem, not a skin problem. Racism is a sin problem and not a skin problem. Let us do everything we can to minister love and forgiveness to everyone that God brings into our lives. 
Let's be a beacon of hope. Let's be a light. Let's love one another. Let's lay our life down. Let's reach out when we can, where we can. And when we need to forgive, let us choose to forgive. Number three, racism goes against the great commandment that Jesus taught the disciples and has taught us. Galatians chapter five, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And then number four, you'll love this one. Racism is a sign of just being ignorant. Stupid. Because... 1 John chapter 2, verse 11 says this, and you cannot get this verse out of your Bible. You cannot erase this. You cannot cut this out. God spoke this through John, and he declared it. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So church, as I close, listen. Let's love what God loves and who God loves, which is all of our neighbors. And let's hate what God hates. And there is things that God hates. God hates our sin, never hates us, but he hates the sin that we have bought into or believed or received. In a troubling time, I believe we can walk in peace. I believe we can walk in joy. I believe that because today is the day of salvation, if this sin of racism has lingered anywhere in your heart, mind, or spirit, and Holy Spirit reveals it to you today, you even, you even immediately remember a story about something that happened to you when you were a child. You need to say, God, I'm gonna let that go. I'm gonna forgive that person today, and that's no longer gonna ever torment me in my life again. If there's any spirit lingering in you and Holy Spirit today just quickens that thing, don't ignore it. Don't go home and sit on television, sit in front of the television and watch a bunch of crazy stuff and see yourself judging what's going on by the skin color of those that are involved in it. We have to be the church, lead the way, love one another. I pray that when we move in our new building and we get past all this stuff and there's some degree of normal where people can just get on with their life again, I'm praying that as God fills our house and we go out and do what God's called us to do, which is to reach the lost, that our house will represent heaven on the earth. Full of all of God's children, black, white, red, yellow, and polka dotted, loving one another, laying their lives down for one another. We don't have to wait till something bad happens so that the school system can teach our kids that that's not right. Because they can never go ahead and teach all the answer. You see, the only answer is to forgive. The only answer is to love. The only answer is to say, God, I'm not judging my brother, I'm starting with judgment begins in the house of the Lord right here. 
So I want to ask you, bow your head for just a moment, close your eyes. If there's anyone in this place today that you're dealing with this thing, I'm going to pray for you right where you sit, right where you are today. This is just between you and Holy Spirit. Those of you who are at home, you're watching. Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Today, I will lead you in a simple prayer where you invite Jesus to come into your life. And you can get online and just chat with Pastor Hector and tell him, I responded today. And we will minister to you and help you. If you're in this house this morning... And today, you're still dealing with this thing, any degree of it. I'm asking you today, humble yourself before God Almighty and confess that as sin and say, Lord, I want that out of my life. I don't want to ever be afflicted by it again. I'm choosing love. I'm choosing to walk in the fullness of who you are in my life and what you are. This morning across this congregation, and across this city and county and wherever you are, you're watching online today. If this thing is you, I want you just to, out of an act of obedience to God, just lift up your hand real quick and just let me lead you in a prayer. And we're gonna say, Lord, forgive us today. Pray this prayer with me out loud if you, if you lifted your hand. Lord Jesus, I don't wanna hate and I don't wanna be prejudiced and I don't want racism to ever seep out of my life again. I'm choosing today Jesus, my Savior. I'm choosing today to walk in the fullness of the same love, Father, that you love me. I want to walk in that love back. The same love that Jesus had that he was willing to die for me on the cross. I want to love others with that kind of love. Jesus, be Lord of my life. I receive you today, and I'm choosing you for the rest of my life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise for his good word. Amen, amen. This week, wherever you are in your community, however tense things get, ask Holy Spirit to help you. First of all, don't leave your house without being full of the word, full of prayer, and full of worship. Get up and just, just worship him. Say, Lord, be, be Lord of my life this week. Be Lord of my life today. I'm going into my world, and my world's pretty messed up right now, God. Let me be a light, a beacon of hope. Amen? If you're back to work, go into your place, man, and be that beacon that, that Jesus has commissioned you to be. No matter how difficult it is, stop feeling sorry for yourself. He, he graced you to be where you are. Come on, somebody say amen to that. It's good right there. All right, two things real quick. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Ron. First of all, thank you for, again, for your prayers. I know my life has been sustained because of the prayers of my family. It is really impossible for me to be up here doing what I'm doing today outside of the kingdom of God. And so uh, tomorrow, I'm back on all my drugs. Me and John Jr. there will be uh, spending a few hours together. John is a phenomenal nurse. He's been my nurse. Alana is also one of our young ladies. Both of these guys take care of me every week. And uh, 
Tomorrow I get the full everything and I meet with my doctor and I have my blood work and come Wednesday, I'm believing God. If God wants to give me a zero number that I don't have to go in the hospital and get a, a miracle a bone marrow transplant, then I'm gonna receive that. And uh, I'm walking in faith though. So this week's a pivotal week for me, pray, and uh, we'll get the word to you. So two things real quick. Uh, we have two Sundays left in this building and our new building is just waiting for you to show up. I stood in the middle of our auditorium the other day. The screen was blasting away. The music, the worship was playing. And I had goosebumps on goosebumps. Because you know what? It was the weirdest thing. It felt like home already. I mean, it just felt like home. Every pastor I've taken, Bob said it the other day, standing in the, in the middle of our auditorium, he said, this place feels like home. It's not too big, it's not massive, but it is home. And we're gonna get in there and we are excited about it, but we got a ton of work to do and we're gonna need some of your help. This week, our chairs came in, tractor trailer backed up Wednesday morning and uh, a whole pile of chairs. And uh, I sat down and said, Pastor Ed, take one chair out of the rack and, and I put him on the timer to see how long it'd take to, every chair is wrapped, every leg is wrapped. And, and uh, so it took him about five minutes. So I did that times the amount of chairs. We came up with about 48 hours worth of uh, some chairs needing to be. So we need six or eight of you, not this week, we'll get the word next Sunday to you, but we need six or eight of you that can come down. We're gonna turn the big LED screen on for you. We're gonna turn the worship on and we're gonna let you get in there and have an unwrapping party of our chairs, okay? So uh, if you can help out, you can go ahead this week and call Miss Pat at the office, put your name on the list, and we will call you uh, when we need you. We'll also probably have a Saturday where uh, we're going to get down there and just after everything's been cleaned two or three times, we're going to clean it one more time, okay? And then, uh, as I said last week, we're going to have at least one. My hope is we're going to have two times where I'm going to invite you all to come down before our very first service, the week before, maybe two weeks before, and we're going to have just... We're gonna saturate that place with prayer and worship. And uh, Pastor Tad and Jim, they got, this, they got this sound system so amazing. You can walk out of the auditorium into any room in the whole building and hear the worship that's going on in the auditorium. So, so we're gonna pray over that place. We're gonna dedicate it to the Lord just as a family. No, no, you know, plush stuff. No, you know, inviting the mayor or anybody. We're, it's just a family. We're going to go in there and we're going to saturate this place with prayer and with worship. And uh, we'll let you know when. Uh, and uh, then of course, our first service will be Sunday, July the 5th. Now, because of the pandemic and everything and all that's going on, uh, we are going to have two services that Sunday. And starting this week, we're going to be sending you out information as soon as we figure it out. We're going to have to RSVP for which service you're coming to. Okay, so we're gonna, gonna kind of limit the amount of people in the main auditorium. We'll have no preschool ministry um, until the week after July 5th. So July the 12th uh, in the new building, we will start back with all of our preschool ministry. But next week, the week after, and the week in the building, uh, it'll just be regular church and Pastor Ed and Jam. And Pastor Ed is, oh my gosh. I went into the Jam auditorium yesterday and I thought, you know, when I started the church, if I'd have had a building that looked like this, Pastor Tad's got our jam auditorium. They got an LED screen in there for the children that is just crazy. 
They're going to have an awesome time. Pastor Ed's going to just get revived and just stay in the children's pastor another, you know, until he's 100, I guess. And, and uh, But he is so excited and we're excited. So a lot of good things happening. I love you guys. I got to get off the stage. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.